The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to another victorious edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Ortega. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. As always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN. You get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. And of course... Price picks. Use promo code five F I V E and you get a hundred dollar roll up bonus, which means you deposit a hundred dollars, they give you a hundred dollars, and you don't have to bet it through a thousand times either. You bet it through once, and they give you a hundred dollars. So essentially, they're giving you a hundred dollars for signing up and depositing a hundred dollars. Take it, F I V E, and of course, Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com/slash the number five reasons, and you get twenty five dollars just for signing up. All right, guys. All right, Simon. We're going to start in uh, the only negative place where I could find this week because everything else was as positive as it can get in a football weekend. So Emmanuel Ogba, I guess he signed that contract. He showed up, had a monster game against the Buffalo Bills, and that was pretty much it for his entire season. It's been one injury or the other. He's been on the injury report this year for a shoulder, an elbow, a knee, an ankle, and now – a tricep injury ends this season. How do they go about replacing him, Simon? Um, I mean, obviously, they signed Bradley Chubb. We get uh, Trey Flowers back. And I, I would suspect that they'll probably look to bring up Port Augustine a couple of times, um, you know, as a sub-package pass rusher with some experience of getting to the quarterback in the NFL. We know what he did at USC. So, I, I, I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world because we kind of weren't really relying on him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, just had excellent play. From our down lineman, uh, the the win rate um, I think has gone up to the. I think we're the best team now in the league in terms of being able to get pressure on quarterbacks from uh, just rushing four, which is astonishing given you know the turnaround. Um, Ingram still playing at a great level. Phillips playing really well. Chubb just looked fantastic at the weekend. Yes, Wilkins had a great game. Um, there's still Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, and I think if they get Byron Jones back, you'll see pressure packages coming from safeties uh, and those sorts of things. They might send Verone McKinley on blitzes and do that sort of Brandon Jones thing. So I think it'll be a you know it'll be a combo platter, but it wouldn't surprise me if Port Augustine gets a call up and just comes in some special teams, some sub package pass rushing, those sorts of things because he's done it before. We know he can get to the quarterback. Did it in Cleveland, so yeah, I, I, I'm not overly concerned. All right. Chris, uh, they took our boy Ben Stilley. Uh, are you as upset as I am? Uh, I was um, outraged for about fifteen minutes today. I uh, for a solid for a solid ten fifteen minutes, I was quite upset. As upset as you could possibly be um, after uh, after having a, a fantastic game over the weekend and, and winning thirty nine, you know, scoring thirty nine points and et cetera. Um, oh, wait, I hate to interrupt you, but it was it was so funny today watching all the Cleveland beat writers do our routine from August. On, oh. on their on their thing, they started posting all his combine numbers, all his workout numbers. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, um, it, that that is that is pretty funny, actually. <laughs> they should probably just ask us. But um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I was pretty pretty disappointed because, particularly, uh, and this is really what's interesting is you know the Emmanuel Agba injury does open up spot you know snaps on the on, on the defensive line, and uh, and so I I don't know why. I don't know why he wouldn't have been a potential beneficiary of that. Um, and so, you know, uh, I guess another one, another one bites the dust as far as uh, a, a promising uh, undrafted free agent. Yeah. All right. I promised that was the, that was going to be the only negative thing. And it is for the rest of the show, because in this first half of the show, we're going to talk about that game. Second half of the show, we're going to talk about some of the players, but we're going to start with uh I don't know as much of a trivia question as it's it's kind of a, a Jeopardy question because you got to identify what this is. Uh, Simon, what is this? Okay, I'm going to rattle off a few numbers and you're going to try to guess what exactly am I talking about. You ready? Sure. 125 to 1, 160 to 1, 30 to 1, 16 to 1, 8.5 to 1, 5.5 to 1, 4.5 to 1. Three and a half to one. Um, is it uh, the ratio of cake you've eaten each dinner time compared to your wife? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I know what it is. Chris, I, what is that? And I didn't even cheat. That's the um Bullshit. that that sounds to me that sounds to me like the uh the betting odds for Tua getting MVP uh and, and what they've how how they've moved since the uh since the season started. Yes. They are, those are the, the betting odds since August until to date. He is now currently right behind Patrick Mahomes. He is the second favorite. I guess you could call it. Well, yeah, second favorite to win the MVP award this year. We got to start with the quarterback. Been a great run these last few weeks. Uh, Simon, what did you make of that that game he played on Sunday? Yeah, I thought he played. I mean, look, I thought it was a full team effort. I didn't think it was just him. I think he played very well. Uh, it was super impressive, made a couple of really big throws, the throw, third down throw outside to Waddle, which was just so perfectly placed up high. And despite the great break on the ball that either Martin Emerson or Greg Newsom, I can't remember which one, had on it, uh, the touchdown to Sherfield later in that drive was terrific. I just thought he just played a really good all-round game. And, and what I love about it is not the competency, it's the elimination of the, the the killer mistake or the big mistake that we sort of saw a lot in the first couple of years and, and a couple of times earlier this season, I think. Um but just a great contribution all round. More proof that he doesn't, you know, he obviously needs Jalen and, and Tyreek. But you know, the fact that the ball was spread around and you know guys didn't go for super numbers, but he just played really well within himself. Uh, created, you know, the touchdown to Ingold was great creation. Just made some really good throws. I just thought he was, um, I thought he was excellent. But to be honest, I thought the whole team was excellent. I, you know, he's playing when you play like that and you can keep your quarterback upright the whole time. You keep him clean. I thought the line generally was outstanding. Um, I thought Rob Hunt was brilliant. Armstead had a great game. I thought Rob Jones, did, you know, the whole guy, the whole the whole lot, the the blocking from Sherfield, from Ingold, you know, terrific. Jeff Wilson was great, you know, and uh, what a fit Jeff Wilson has been. And, you know, we talked about him and have talked about him over the years, really, as a kind of under-the-radar guy that we like, and now he's doing it for us. And just guys coming up big in big moments defensively, I thought it was just an all-round sort of bumper package. The only issue really is the kicker and, you know, the the first extra point you know, not great. The second one, I kind of understand why he pulled it a little bit because I think it was a breakdown on that right-hand side of the line as you look at it. 
And I think it probably would have been blocked if he'd have put it where you kind of hope he was going to put it. But you do worry. I mean, two seasons ago, you've gone from Jason Sanders knowing that whenever he steps up, he's just going to nail every single thing to wondering, would he cost us in a playoff game? Mm. Um, you know, and that that's kind of a concern. But overall, I, th- I you know, I just thought the team played really well. And I love the fact that, you know, I think Mike McDaniel is the, the most creative mind in the in the league, really. And I, and I love, I say that as somebody who absolutely loves Andy Reid. But the fact that, you know, the Browns did exactly what the Steelers did, which was take away the middle of the field. And, and we knew that, that was coming and we engineered plays outside the numbers. We engineered the running game, which looked as good as it's looked for God. I mean, go back to when Jamie Nails was pulling back in the, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It kind of looked as good as that. There was just so many, everybody working in unison, uh, so many gaping holes for the backs. And uh, and we came with a commitment to the run and we stuck to it. Um, and I thought it was just an all around great performance by by the team, really. Yeah, you said 10, 12 years ago. It was like 20 years ago. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. Although, although great running game in 2008, that year that the, with the Wildcat, two great backs in Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams. Uh, these two guys kind of remind me of that group, uh, although they're completely different players because Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams were both, you know, they're both, you know, speed guys, but, you know, basically bruisers. Jesus, uh, you're right. It was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was 20 years ago when <laughs> Jimmy Nails was running around blocking people. Yes. What happened to yes. time? <laughs> yeah. And now Jimmy Nails does a podcast, a football podcast. So it tells you how, how you know, we've gone we've gone completely full circle. Uh, Chris, if you want to talk about the quarterback, that's great, man. But what, what a complete effort by this offense. 300 yards passing. If you have it at your fingertips, you could find it. Almost 300 yards passing because it was 285. But come on, let's give him... You know, although Skyler did complete a pass at the end of the game. Skyler, yeah, Skyler completed a pass. So. <laughs> so that put him over 300, right? Um, I'm not sure if that was a total a total 300 or not, but um, but yeah, yeah I'm gonna I give it to him. Good. I'm gonna give him the 300 yards passing and 195. Uh, Come on, it's good 200. Enough. Good enough. Good enough. What's, what's the last time this team had a 300 yard passing effort and a 200 yard rushing effort in the same game? Like, uh, you you know it. it if you can have it on the Honestly, background, I'd, I'd go back to the Wildcat year and uh, and make sure that you know it didn't happen there. But um, yeah, but yeah, um, that's it's obviously it's a great uh, yeah. By the way, you're right. Uh, it's a 302 yards um, for the game with Skylar Thompson's pass. Um, yeah, that's 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 obviously great. Uh, to a you know, we've we probably have said enough about how he's how he's doing in the previous two games. And, um, and I guess that's the point though, to make is that this was a, a perfect extension of what he had already done against both the lions and the bears, which um, is interesting because he, he's playing at such a level that you're like, that you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it to come back down to earth because he can't just keep playing like this. Nobody does. No, <laughs> literally nobody does. You know, and and so I, you know, when it when is that going to come down? You know, when Simon mentioned the um, you know, the 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 stupid decision or the stupid throw one per game. You know, here's here's the vibe that I'm getting from from the, the offense right now is. I've always gotten this from from those stupid throws uh, that a lot of them have to do with, you know, kind of chemistry and him making a dumb 
you know, brain farted decision or, you know, just bad throw or something like that because something else threw him off or, um, or something, something else was, was going wrong with the protection or the, um, or the, the, the chemistry with the wide receivers, maybe the route being run, um, things like that. Um, you know, in the face of, with that sort of, uh, sort of, lack of chemistry i think i think his play suffers his decision making suffers I, I should say uh and and then then you see the the boneheaded stuff that you're just like oh come on you know um i'm getting the feeling that actually it, what's happening what's kind of coalescing here is that is that a lot of the players on the offense have gotten it you know are they've they've learned this offense now They've learned what sort of adjustments they have to keep making, with a few maybe with a few exceptions. But um, but like everybody, everybody getting it, having two running backs that both get it now, having uh, an offensive line that are starting to get it, um, and and having those wide receivers. Trent Sherfield always was, you know, always knew the right thing to do in this offense, and he's been very valuable because of that. But you know Tyreek Hill and uh, and Jalen Waddle are even though they were highly productive because they're constantly getting or because they're good at getting open they're very fast and they're very talented receivers that doesn't mean that they were they were hitting all the angles completely right in fact I think Tyreek Hill is is has mentioned really that that you know sometimes sometimes he knows that uh, he's doing some things that this offense you're not supposed to do. Um, and and he appreciates actually Mike McDaniel not not getting all over him for that. But um, but I just get the feeling that everybody's getting it. Everybody's everybody's kind of understanding where each other are at, and that chemistry is producing this. Yeah, and, it's, it's um, about the the buttons that that Mike McDaniel is pushing. I don't know if you did you hear that story that was told on the broadcast about Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel about the the miles per hour. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great story uh, for our listeners. Uh, you know, their time during practice. And one time after practice, they had a meeting. And Mike McDaniel said, you know, it, it's awesome that we traded all this for, you know, the fourth fastest guy on the team. <laughs> because Tyreek evidently ran, you know, a slow time for that day. He was under 20 miles an hour. The next day, he was obviously, you know, just, you know, you know, blowing past everybody and running about 22 miles an hour. I think he was, he was fifth fastest on the day. Right. And, yeah, and something said, like that. Yeah. He, he actually just hit him with straight up, you know, deadpan. Like, Hey, good job, Tyreek. You hit the fifth fastest speed mark on the team. You're the <laughs> fifth fastest player on the dolphins. That's awesome. You know, it, it was just like, he just deadpanned him. And, uh, and then he, and then he went up to Braylon Sanders, who was first fastest for the day. He's like, congratulations, Braylon. You're the fastest man on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tyree took that a little personally. <laughs> yeah. And the next day, he's just smoking past everybody. Well, I mean, he, he hit 23 and a half miles an hour, evidently, is what uh, McDaniel said. Yeah. And if that's true, that's, that's, that's blazing. Like, I, you go through, you can go through next gen stats and try and find, you know, instances with a guy running that fast. Uh, 23 and a half um it it's few and far between it's it happens like from a couple of plays every season or something like that you know through the whole season all 32 teams playing 16 17 games so that that's blazing that's um that's incredible 
Yeah. Uh, we got we to gotta move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Simon, man, when they line up uh, Jalen Phillips at the, as this three-tech and they put Bradley Chubb outside of him, like, who's blocking that? Like, nobody's blocking that. Especially when you're having Melvin Ingram on the other side and he's caving in the entire side of the of your offensive line. First of all, that guy is strong. Uh, I don't remember Melvin Ingram being this good against the run as well, Simon. Uh, yeah, if 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 you want to give some flowers to that defensive line, this is the best group, in my opinion, that I've seen here since the good old days of Adewale Agunle, you know, Tim Bowens, Jason Taylor, Trace Armstrong, those guys. This group is something. Those edge edge players on this team and those two tackles, like, wow, what a job they did on Nick Chubb. Simon. Yeah, I, I actually think there's the linebackers that, that deserve an awful lot of credit for the job that they did on Nick Chubb, but I just thought lane discipline was really important. The linebackers got to their landmarks just ahead of the, those really good guards. And look, this is this is no mugs on the offensive line. The Browns got an excellent offensive line, but I, I thought that whoever, you know, Bradley Chubb especially, just absolutely bitch slapped um, the Jedrick Wills around. Um, I thought the guards were dominated. I thought that just overall it was a, just an outstanding performance. And, you know, against, again, we sort of talk about mobile quarterbacks and that there were times where um, Jacoby was able to pick up some some bonus yards with his legs because the pass rush was so good, um, but just able to sort of escape the pocket and pick up some key first downs, which kind of hurts us. But we've talked about that, you know, playing as Fields and, and Jackson, but yeah, like you say, and that, you know the, the the key thing now is that you know you don't just do it against Cleveland now or Houston. You know, there's some big games coming up. You know, those road games in California are huge. The the road game in Buffalo is huge. Um, and you kind of look at look seven games left. We we've, we've won seven games already. You kind of feel like ten gets us into the into the tournament. Eleven definitely gets us in. Really, and twelve you you could be talking about a home playoff game. You know, so. They need to show up week after week now until uh, until we can't play anymore. Um, need to put quarterbacks under pressure. Need to stay disciplined in the run game um, because I thought they were outstanding against arguably the best running back in the league, um, the front seven generally. So, but yeah, we need that level of performance every single week, and it starts you know in a week's time against Houston. Yeah, and you know we wouldn't be doing we wouldn't be doing a Dolphin podcast if we weren't going to talk about the elephant in the room or the uh, or the six five two hundred and forty pound quarterback with the the screwed up elbow that it's opening up a possibility here uh i i hear you 10 wins 11 wins i think that they got to start adjusting their their expectations a little bit they're half a game out from the one seed if they could get that division title like they could start in earnest talking about super bowls but i do think uh, well i don't think they will because i just don't think that's part of the mentality and i, I and i kind of feel like that's a bit I, I, I just don't understand the the idea that you would just sit and talk about the Super Bowl because then you you know you just get smashed out in the first round and then you look at you look stupid but that's maybe just me um, and I think it brings extra pressure that they probably don't need but you know you go back and look at that you know I watched an extended version of that Buffalo Minnesota game Josh Allen was absolutely ridiculous again in that game I know he had the critical interception at the end and there was the fumble in the but some of those throws were just insanity. And yeah, you know, this isn't a team that's going away anytime soon. And, you know, they have the the joker in their pocket, which is the home game against us. Um, and for a guy that's people were talking about potentially going on IR for four weeks or missing a game and has got a dodgy elbow. I mean, Christ, is, you know, 
75% of quarterbacks with a dodgy elbow can throw the ball like that. This would be an unbelievable league. He was, you know, I thought he was amazing on Sunday. Um, so yeah, they're not going away anytime soon, Chris. You, you know, that, that's just a, that's just a great team. No, yeah. I, I agree with you on, on that. The, the Buffalo Bills are not going away anytime soon. And I, it's an interesting way of phrasing it because you're right. Um, as far as the Bills are concerned, um, any tie break right now, you know, we have over them because of the victory, but they have the Joker in their back pocket because it's a, it's going to be a home game against us um, with, uh, you know, in cold weather, which everybody is still, that's, that's sort of the next thing that everybody's talking about. You notice um, with respect to, to Otunga Valoa, the, uh, the, the offense in general, um, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, there's been some capitulation, but now, now it's like, yeah, but we need to see him do it in cold weather or something like that. So, um, we'll, we'll see what that's like, but that is, that is going to be a tough game. And I, I don't believe for a minute that they're just going to, you know, keep going down here. Um, on the other hand, you know, the slate is set for Miami to potentially get even the number one seed in the, in the AFC. Um, you know, I, I know that's getting ahead of yourself uh, themselves, but there isn't a single game left on the schedule that, that you look at and say, you know, we can't do that. I mean, the closest is that Buffalo game. Uh, but you know, that's division and division goes, you know, goes weird sometimes, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I, I think this is, um, the, it's it's going to be a fight to the finish between those two two teams. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, especially you know that game December eighteenth that looks like it's going to be flexed. Uh, the weather seems to be clearing up for that day, although it's going to be ball shrinking cold. Like it, you know, but it's you know it's Buffalo in December December eighteenth. Okay, you know th- this weekend by the way they're playing in three feet of snow against uh, the same Browns that we just played, so that's even more interesting. All right, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about individual players in this game. But first, these words. Let me tell you about Liquid Death. Uh, you've seen those. Uh, those little tall boy cans, right? They, they look like beer cans. They have that really great logo that says Liquid Death. Well, it's, it's not beer. It's not an alcoholic beverage. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps. My favorite flavor is Bury It Alive. Okay? It's absolutely delicious. It's unlike some of those other waters you, you've tried out there, those flavored waters. They're not as good. They just really aren't. They, don't, they just don't taste good. These are not only refreshing, but they're cold. And especially since it's in a can, you put it in a, in a cooler with ice. Something I like to do is uh, you know, I'll put one liquid death can for every six beers in the cooler, you know, just to break it up a little bit. So, yeah, liquid death. It kills your thirst, and infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid Death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Publix, the Fresh Market, or Whole Foods Market, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. That's T-H-R-E-E. That's our dedicated website by the way follow liquid death on social media on instagram tiktok youtube and twitter use the hashtags hashtag murder your thirst and hashtag death to plastic liquid death 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, and we're back. And as promised, we're going to talk about some of the players in in this game, and we're going to start nowhere else but the offensive line. And we could say a lot about Teron Armstead, but I'm going to start somewhere else. Simon, uh, Robert Jones is good, and that's the left guard going forward. I don't see no reason to change it. This is as good a couple of games as you can have a left guard. I think he's been fine. He was even better uh, against the Browns. He looked like part of the reason they were opening up some of these holes. You know, not... He wasn't, I would say, passable. Like, he was actually necessary, I think, in this game. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had to have to go back and watch the All-22, certainly in pass protection, but I, I didn't, I don't recall too many times where two was under a lot of pressure, either inside pressure or obviously off the edge where Armstead was shutting down Miles Garrett pretty much. Um, I thought Brandon Shell generally from sort of that ball watcher's mentality, I thought he played played pretty well. Um, but yeah, Jones, and you, you look at some of the, um, I've seen some of the cut downs of the the run blocking and stuff. Carl Krabs put some stuff up and, you know, he was him and him and um, uh, Christ, Rob Hunt, uh, uh, right guard were, were really doing an excellent job of getting out second level ceiling blocks. You know, I saw, I saw one block on a most run where he got out to see only tacky tacky and just took him out the, the play completely in Armstead turned his guy out the lane and it was beautiful to watch. And, you know, four or five times it happened where you're just like, God, you know, pretty sure you outfit with your 75 year old man legs could probably <laughs> run through these holes. So um, yeah, from first look, it was impressive, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to sort of um, chance my uh, minimal reputation on saying he was amazing in certainly in pass protection. Cause I just didn't see, enough just during the the game and having a chance to watch it back but from from first uh from first view i was impressed yeah and there was a speaking of which there there was one play in particular okay and it was the trent sherfield touchdown where miles garrett makes what is can only be described as an alien move something that nobody else can do spin move inside he's gonna kill Tua tonga valoa and Tua tonga valoa is never gonna see him Robert Hunt sees him out of the corner of his eye and turns him into uh, a greasy spot on top of the 
on top of the grass. Absolutely flattens him. The play was sensational on that offensive line. Those two guards were absolutely spectacular. Uh, Chris, uh, that's the left guard going forward. Or do you have other ideas? No, I don't have other ideas for this year for certain. Um, I think, you know, we, we've got to see more games of his, to be honest, because everybody can have a good game. But, um, you know, I, I, I did see something I noticed when I watched it, when I watched it back last week um, in the previous game against the Bears. Uh, you know, and a lot of people were kind of down on him. You know, I, I saw even on Twitter, I, I think it was, you know, maybe Kyle Krabs or something like that. And you kind of kind of took a screenshot of him uh, falling over or something like that. You know, it's like, oh, it's not a good place for your 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 starting left guard to be. You know, when you're trying trying to block for your quarterback, but um, that play had some circumstances to it. But I, but I, I didn't think that was uh, that was uh, representative because something I noticed there is that you know, kind of early there were some miscues about where he's, you know, who he's getting in the run game on the zone plays. Toronto Armstead talked to him. Uh, you know, we saw that once, but uh, it started to it started to get better as the game got on. And and really, just overall, both pass protection and run blocking, you can see potential there. Like it, it, I I, I kind of I remember going on the pod and I was like, you know, between Robert Jones and and Brandon Shell, I'm going to take Robert Jones a left guard over Brandon Shell at right tackle um, because I think that you know Robert Jones looked better you know at his position and um and and kind of dangled some potential uh, you know dangerous word but um so i think that we saw in this game that he 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 made he followed up on it he built on that and he did even better um a lot better as a matter of fact so i think i think that it's definitely trending in the right direction um and we'll see, you know, what happens in the offseason. But he's got a half, half of the season left, plus playoffs most likely, um, to to impress us at that left guard position. Uh, and then and then we'll see. But um, I think the weak link on the offensive line is still that right tackle position with uh, Brandon Shell. And a lot of people are very happy with him. But uh, I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see Austin Jackson kind of sprinkled in after the bye week. Um, to give him a chance, give him a fair chance to try and, you know, put on some good tape and win that job back. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, Brandon Shell had, he, he actually didn't have the cleanest of games. Uh, but, you know, he had to deal with a couple of pretty good edge rushers. One guy yeah. who didn't ha- have a problem at all was Teron Armstead. Like, this guy just, he just dominates. He doesn't care who the hell's in front of him. Like, it could be whoever. This time it was Miles Garrett for for most of the game. It didn't matter. Uh, it never matters with Teron Armstead. I knew he was good. This is a this is borderline ridiculous, isn't it, Simon? Like he never has a bad moment. He never had a, he had a holding penalty in the last game. Okay, uh, I guess we're gonna count that as a bad moment. He allowed a pressure against the Steelers, I believe. He allowed a pressure, uh, but that's pretty much it. Like, this is just one clean sheet after another with this guy. What a fine Teron Armstead, Simon. Yeah, I mean, look, he's uh, AQ Shipley did a great breakdown on Pat McAfee today. Uh, his talent was never the issue, has never been the issue for Armstead. It's just been health uh, and touch wood. 
you know, we can keep him healthy through the, through the rest of the season because he is an elite player at the left tackle position. He's a top, I've always thought he's a top two or three left tackle and he's throwing Trent Williams back to Yari when all healthy. And Armstead is, you know, is right up there. Yeah, you throw Andrew Thomas in the mix and, you know, a couple of other guys, but, you know, he has been as advertised and has been absolutely dominant this season. Um, uh, he's just as good in the run game as he is in pass protection. Uh, he's a great leader. He just so he just moves his feet so well, just innate understanding of the position, and he must be an absolute joy to play behind if you're a quarterback. And for a guy like Robert Jones, sat between Connor Williams, who himself is having a Pro Bowl season at centre, and Tron Armstead, who's having an All Pro left tackle season, probably won't be the All Pro, um, but you know he's having that kind of he's having that kind of season. It must be an absolute joy to to work between the two of them. Yeah, well, well, you know what? I, I think he has a shot at the All Pro. Remember, uh, at being All Pro, uh, Trent Williams missed four games. So yeah, I mean, Andrew Thomas is playing at an, another level, um, and I think Armstead missing a game probably won't won't help his case necessarily. You know, there's still seven weeks of the season to go, so who knows? But he'll certainly be in the mix. Absolutely, he might end up being second team All Pro or whatever. But he's um, yeah. I mean, I don't give a fuck if he's an All Pro at the end of the season. I just care that he's healthy and that you know he takes us as far as we go. That that sort of stuff doesn't really bother me. But watching his performances week in and week out that bothers me, and he's playing at a high level. Yeah, it's been a long time since I, you know, we had a left tackle that just seeing him out there gives me like a warm and fuzzy feeling. Like you know, like you know, it's like you see him out there, you see him number seventy two line up out there, and you just feel like everything's gonna be fine, <laughs> everything's gonna be all right. Like he he has our quarterbacks, uh, well, front side, but you always feel like, man, you know, this guy has it under control, and he has it more than under control. He's just he just kicks the crap out of everybody he plays against. Uh, uh, Chris, I guess Brandon Shell. Yeah, you're right. But you know, you got to give some flowers to Teron Armstead. Your thoughts on the way this guy's played? Because, man, I think he's. You know, if Tool wasn't playing the way he's playing, and of course Tyreek is headed for two thousand yards, but man, I wouldn't mind giving this guy the, the team MVP award behind those two guys. Um, I think MVP might be overstating it, but he is having a phenomenal. He is having a good season, as good a. Probably as good of a left tackle season that we've seen in Miami um, in a while. Uh, and I'm thinking, who do back, you have you know, third? Who do you have third over him on the team? Over who do I have third over? Um, I think, yeah, because I, I said besides Tua and Tyreek, who would be MVP? I, I would have Tehran as the as the MVP. No, I, I think I think that that's discounting. I think that that's discounting uh, Jalen Waddle's um, okay production and and contribution by. By quite a bit um you know I, I and i wouldn't want to do that because you know you could argue you, you can make you can make a fair argument about the i mean certainly the production um but you know the between he and tyree kill at times I, it's it's still that um it's still that jalen waddle is that security blanket for to he knows him better mm. Um, and, and so, and you get that feeling sometimes, uh, during the games. And so I think that it's, it's not a coincidence that we've got kind of, it seems like anyway, I mean, this is, this is perception and, you know, um, trust that however you will, but, um, it seems to me anyway, that, uh, that while you get a little bit of up and down as far as the production goes of, um, of Tyree Kill. It seems to me like Jalen Waddle is always there, but um, uh, I, I think I think that he's he's right up there. I, you can't 
the the two of these receivers together have sent this offense into the stratosphere, you know, with two mm-hmm. of them. So, so I, I wouldn't agree with having anybody over over those three those three players. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, Jerome Baker, and and I know that you know I'll, you you see it on Twitter all the time, but it's hard for these people to appreciate linebacker play, especially what Jerome Baker's being asked to do on every single down. Um, I drew up a play. Well, I didn't draw up a play, but I was doing that show with Hussam this past week, and he put up a set where I counted four keys that Jerome Baker had to read. Uh, I think he's being asked to do a ton of stuff. He had a great game against Nick Chubb and that that running offense from the the Browns. That's a top offense in the NFL. Uh, the linebackers I felt were absolutely great uh, on Sunday, and I don't think Duke Riley gets enough credit. Like this guy, you know, if they started increasing his snaps, that's fine. Especially teams that get more lateral, that are faster laterally. I love to see Duke Riley get more snaps. Uh, I love the 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 work by this linebacking crew on Sunday. Uh Simon, did you pick up anything else or you concur? Like this was a this was their best game probably the entire season. Agree? Yeah, I mean I talked about it earlier, Alpha. I thought they were outstanding. I thought that, you know, reading keys, staying lane disciplined, coming downhill. Um and what Chubb likes to do is attack through the the B gap and then sort of slide outside. And the, and the guys just got to the point beforehand before the that you know the pulling guards were able to get out and just beat people to the to the landmarks and were able to make tackles and consistently wrapped up. I think Duke Riley's an excellent sort of back utility backup kind of sub package guy that they bring in sometimes on obvious passing down. Special teams captain, just a solid tackler. But I thought Roberts and Baker, and it, it it kind of annoys me when fans sort of talk about oh you know our linebackers are trash and we need this and we need Roquan Smith and we need. And, I, and I've never really bought it, and I and I felt like that game on Sunday was kind of the epitome of why those guys are really important. Look, Landon Roberts isn't Harry Carson, or he's not, you know, but you know, he's not Darius Leonard. But in that sort of game against that sort of team against that sort of back, he's exactly what you need—a guy that's just ultra disciplined, a guy that's a really good solid tackler, and a guy that can kind of meet a, a power player like Chubb in the hole, isn't afraid to take him on. Uh, and as we saw, I think both with Chubb and with Kareem Hunt, he just delivered some a couple of early sort of tone-setting blocks that I think really sort of, you know, challenged those backs. I just don't think they were up to to the matchup. And uh, uh, Baker is as solid as they come. And people, you know, absolutely. I mean, the, the touchdown against Detroit where DeAndre Swift, he had like four yards to cover DeAndre Swift on a two-way go out of the backfield. And people are like, oh, he's trash. He sucks. And it's just like, you have no idea. <laughs> How difficult that is, you know. It's just you get you get DeAndre Swift running at you, and you're yeah. stationary. You're like, and yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, Deion Sanders gets way. smoked like that. Yeah, and he chooses which way he wants to go, and the quarterback will throw it accordingly. You know, uh, but you know, Jerome Baker's an idiot for not covering that. I mean, that sort of stuff really annoys me. But um, but yeah, I I thought they were outstanding. And but again, much like the defensive linemen, they've just got to continue that for the rest of the season. They have to be disciplined and and make sure they're wrapping up tackles. You know, looking back at that Justin Fields game, I know we've talked about the quarterbacks, but picking up 89 yards after contact was was unacceptable. Uh, and I think the game that the linebackers played, excuse me, on Sunday against the Browns was almost a, a 
bounce back, a bite back to the sort of criticism that they'd had with with Fields, which I don't think is directly directed at them because of the reasons we talked about last week when you're trying to cover an incredibly mobile quarterback. But, you know, that to me felt like a real sort of statement for them to say, look, we're here. We, you know, you might not appreciate us the whole time, but this is what we've been doing week in, week out. And I thought they were outstanding at the weekend. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm gonna get Kristen here in, in a second, but you, uh, you and I have a had a, a a conversation about this where, uh, not to paraphrase, but I was saying they're they're asking Jerome Baker and Xavier Howard to do way too much, and you essentially said, uh, "Screw those guys, they're making enough money, do more." <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, but it's Josh yeah. Boyer's style, right? Do you you agree with Josh Boyer's style, right? Like he puts a lot on those guys' plate. Yeah, but they're paid. You know, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are two of the top, what, six, eight paid cornerbacks in the league. And both at one time have been the highest paid players at their position in the league. Quarterback is such a, the cornerback is such a difficult position to play. You know, you're, you spend most of your time running backwards, covering a guy you've got no idea which way he's going and he's good enough to compete in the Olympics if you're covering Marquise Goodwin or, you know, in previous seasons, if you're playing against somebody like Tyreek Hill can just run away from you or whatever. So the onus and the stress that modern day offenses place on cornerbacks is enormous. And, you know, I don't think Xavier's, ha- Xavier's having his best season ever. You know, on the contrary, I think it's arguably one of his worst seasons ever, actually, given the ridiculously high bar he set himself. But he's also still playing, you know, comparatively speaking, really well. And he's also doing it on a dodgy groin, which is not easy to do. It's just that, you know, he hasn't quite matched the standards that he set in the past. I think there's a very interesting conversation upcoming in the offseason when you look at Byron Jones and whether or not he gets retained. But also Nick Needham. You know, you look at the, the emergence of Kade Kohu, again, had a really good game on mm-hmm. on Sunday. He gets a little bit grabby at times, and you you hope that's not going to come back to bias in a critical situation down the stretch. And yes, it would be great if his secondary was completely healthy and you had Byron and Kohu and Needham and Brandon Jones and Javon could play the position that he's, you know, dominated in as a rookie. I mean, that would be, I mean, what a defensive unit that would be, you know? So, um, but they're mending and making do in the secondary. Uh, the injury to Keon Crossan will be interesting. And I, I haven't seen an update from Coach McDaniel as to how that shoulder is and whether or not it's going to keep him out. But you, you hope that it doesn't. But you saw a little bit of Elijah Campbell playing on, on Sunday, moving back from safety to corner. Uh, Eric Rowe was active again. Um, so yeah, they're just getting by in the secondary. But if they can, you know, if they can continue to get the pressure rate from rushing four, the you know, as they have been doing, then all bets are off in terms of the secondary because it just places so much less stress on them than if you're you're not getting home and the quarterback's got three, four, five seconds to to find somebody. Because good luck trying to cover an NFL receiver for five seconds because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and and uh, I'll say one thing about Elijah Campbell. Uh, he read that triangle beautifully. Uh, they set up uh, in in that bunch formation. He read the the screen, and he said, "I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't even have. I'm not going to play with outside leverage or or anything. I'm running right at where I think the ball is going to be." He was about a quarter of a second away from having that ball hit him in the chest, and he's going the other way with it for a touchdown. Uh, I thought that was his best play of the day. Uh, really smart. Great anticipation, great anticipation, great gamble. Because if you're going to gamble, gamble big. If you're going to gamble, gamble on picking one off that's going to go for 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 six the other way. Uh, great play by Elijah Campbell. Seven and seven throw. Oh, sorry. That we all of a sudden we had a a, a third, <laughs> a fourth. All right. 
<laughs> that was weird. Chris? No, it was me. They've just um the dolphins have just uploaded 10 minutes of two of being mic'd up. So I just clicked. Oh my it. god, that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be awesome. Boys are gonna uh, wank himself over it. Yes. Oh my god. Uh, Ten minutes of Tua talking into a microphone. Can't wait. I mean, if the forty-five seconds is anything to go by, the guy says absolutely nothing. <laughs> so God knows how they managed to eke ten minutes out of it. You know <laughs> what's should... great about this too is that like Tua's reaction to the fat into the Dolphins' announcement that they mic'd him up was yeah. like, "Oh, I hope you cut out. I hope you cut out some things. I hope you did some good editing, you know, to cut out some <laughs> some of the things that were said." And it's just like, what? What in tarnation, and I use that word instead of an actual swear word on purpose, what in tarnation does Tua think that he said that will be controversial? Because that guy says nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a clip of Teddy Bridgewater talking to him, and all Tua just keeps doing is going, (laughs) 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 and that was in the the bit that, you know, like you go to the movies and you watch a trailer and you're like, oh, this trailer, this film looks amazing because they put all the best bits of the trailer. (laughs) I mean, if those were the best bits in the trailer, the best bit is literally two are just going. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that reminded me of, well, uh, not Miami Vice the show, but when they made Miami Vice the movie with Colin Farrell and, uh, and uh, I can't believe this guy's name, extremely talented guy, uh, Jamie, what, what, what the fuck Jamie is his Fox? name? Yeah, Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox? Yeah, yeah. In that movie. yeah, Jamie Foxx. He played Tubbs. Yeah, when I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the movie of the century. But then I realized all they're showing me is a bunch of sexy women, cocaine, money, fast boats, and fast cars, and flashy clothing, and nightclubs. And I'm like, of course this trailer's going to look great. And then, of course, the movie sucks. Isn't that all Miami Vice was? (laughs) Pretty much. All all you're missing from that is um, some guy just to keep coming into the screen and just going, ha, ha, ha. All right, uh, Chris, if you have something oh. to say about Josh Boyer's uh, uh, the, the Taskmaster, uh, if you have something to say about that, or we can move on to our our three stars of the game, our game balls. No, it's it's not about Josh Boyer. I, I, actually, the thing that I wanted to revisit it's not that I it's not that I'm you know uh, digging on the linebackers. They did a, they did a great job in the game, um, but you know as far as they they're they're still they the Browns did still get some catches underneath and you know a couple first downs and, and such. I'm Sam Sam Aguilar had a and thank God thank God he's not on the field very often because of um you know because of the guys in front of him because of Jerome Baker, Landon Roberts, and Duke Riley. And I think that those three are about as versatile you know a set as as you can get out there. Um, and I, I I think they're really valuable and in particular I think the speed of Jerome Baker does more for this defense than people really understand. And I think Mike McDaniel is one of the first, probably one of the first things that he noticed um, about the defense. I know it's something that he did bring up privately um, in, uh, in their, their interview process. But, um, but I think that uh, I think the defensive line was more, was, I mean, we going back to what you said at the beginning, that was more of a revelation to me because the linebackers did about what, I would expect them to do against that opponent, uh, which is to say that Nick Chubb still had some impressive yards after contact and ma- made some people miss and made some people look the fool. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, on a play for play basis, uh, we shut down the running back. 
And, and that's something that we've been doing all year. This was, you know, we've been complaining about the front, the defensive front as far as pressure is concerned uh, for, for most of the year. And, and talking about, like, you know, how we need to start being able to get home with four of them and, and not have to do all this crazy blitz package stuff, um, which, um, which really puts the, the banged-up secondary uh, out there to be uh, targeted. We've been talking about that a lot. Here comes in. I don't want to understate this. This was a good offensive line. The, yes, this yes. Cle- this Cleveland Browns offensive line might be the best offensive line we've faced all year. Um, and you know, and, and they came in, and uh, I just to uh, put it in perspective. Before this week, you know, before this week, I believe they were uh, they were you know sixth or seventh in the league in um, just in terms of the the pressure percentages that they they allow. The um, Cleveland offensive line, of course, and uh, and our defensive line. If you look at what Melvin Ingram did, you look at what, um, uh, of course, Jalen Phillips did. You look at what um, Bradley Chubb did. You know, which you already mentioned, uh, Christian Wilkins. Um, during this game, that defensive front made a good offensive line look real bad, mm. and that's what it looked like to me during the game because. Because Jacoby Brissett, you felt bad for him at times because he was completing passes that you're like, man, how did you escape that pressure and do that? Like it was maddening as a Dolphins fan, right? Because because you didn't want him, you didn't want him to complete the the pass or anything. But he was under fire so often in that game. It looked like it looked like one of these games that you watch where the fans are just constantly complaining about the offensive line sucking, right? I mean, it, or it, in other words, Dolphins games, um, and and I think that uh, I think that the fact that this defensive front made that caliber of an offensive line look like that throughout the game was a really big revelation because it's exactly what why Bradley Chubb is here. It's exactly why uh, they traded a lot to get him uh, and gave him a lot of money, and and it's it it's really emblematic of the shift that's happening uh, philosophically in the defense. But, you know, you can't just because we're talking about the shift doesn't mean it's going to work. And this game was the first piece of evidence we could point to and say, wait, you know, this might work. (laughs) Yeah. And that's important. That's really important. Uh, And so I, I think that, you know, as far as revelations to go further, um into into the season that defensive line man you know i'm i'm the linebackers you know kudos to them and all that but they didn't do anything that i didn't expect including you know some missed tackles in there and stuff like that um but the defensive line is is the one that really showed something that i hope that they're able to build on defensively yeah i I completely go any further alf what just hold up before you go any further Mm -hmm. have a listen to this Bouncing around, I like to see that. Don't just run to the sideline, grab the tablet. <laughs> Don't be boring. <laughs> That's all he does. He just does. It's just ha 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 ha. He's the guy. He's the guy that you text with that all he replies every time is LOL. Yeah, yeah exactly. or me, or me. Uh, everybody, I've been. I was accused today that all I say is cool after everything that 
I'm like, what else am I going to say? You know, like I'm basically saying, yeah, I'm okay. I agree with you. Yeah, let's do that. You text so. her and say, oh, I can't make it. My family have just been obliterated in a car accident. He just replies, ha, ha, ha. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> LOL. By the way, have you ever met anybody that actually says LOL in person? Not not through text? No, I'd, I'd kill them immediately. <laughs> yes, I completely <laughs> agree with you. Whoever says that in person, uh, yeah, that's a serial killer. Bad. And that's might as well eliminate them right there on the spot. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I'll give you my three my three game balls, my three stars of the game. I'm going to keep it really simple. That interior line, Robert Jones, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, they were absolutely stupendous in this game. That all 22 in the run game is absolute football porn. It's as good uh, a piece of tape as you will find anywhere. So I give it to the interior line, left guard, center, and right guard. What say you, Simon? Uh, I would say offensive line, linebackers, and uh, Jeff Wilson. Yeah, we do. You know, we didn't talk enough about Jeff Wilson. That, that, he had 119 yards, and that guy just got off the bus the other day. Okay, of course he knows the offense, but how good is Jeff Wilson? All right, Chris, your how, game. Well, how how good of an acquisition was he? You know, like yeah, um, for a fifth round pick. Yes. I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start the game ball at Tua Tungavaloa, and I'm gonna say it right now. I think this might have been, you know, if, if people considered the Detroit game to be front to back his best game as a Miami Dolphin, um, you know, Baltimore obviously a big deal because of what happened in the fourth quarter. But you have to you have to reconcile with the fact that until that fourth quarter he was not necessarily looking like that. You know. Mm-hmm. This was probably a better game than the Detroit game. This might have been his best game front to back as a Miami Dolphin, you know. And it wasn't. It you know, if you look at you look at where he was going with the ball, it wasn't just all to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They played big, you know, important parts in it. But he was really spreading the ball all over the place. And um, and he this was just an an outstanding performance. I, you know, kind of again. This can't continue. Nobody does this. Absolutely nobody, you know? And so I give the first game ball to him. I'm going to give a second one uh, to Alec Ingold because, you know, I, I mean, he, he probably played his best game as a fullback for, for the Dolphins this, this game. And, um, and that, I think that's, a, that's really impressive. And yeah, I, I, I would give a game ball to Jeff, Jeff Wilson, but I've done that before. Um, on, on the defensive side of the ball, though, I, I do want to spotlight Melvin Ingram because he had a hell of a game, you know. Uh, he had a hell of a game, and this is a guy who he could have looked at the Bradley Chubb acquisition and been like, you know, oh, so so you so you don't like me after all, <laughs> you know, like because yeah. he, he was getting he was getting a lot of play and he was getting you know a lot of snaps and and, and stuff and he was the AFC um, defensive player of the of the month at one point uh, and then they 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 acquired Bradley Chubb anyway and to go along with Jalen Phillips and you know this is a guy that could be down in the dumps in that instead he turned in the best game that he's had all year and um and I think that that's uh, that's that's really worth uh, pointing out and spotlighting. All right. And, you know, it's interesting that you, you do one of those comparables on uh, on pro football reference and you do a comparable on 
Tuatungavalo's current season and all the names that come up are all the usual suspects. You get a couple of Mahomes seasons in there. You get a lot of Aaron Rodgers. And in there, very lonely, in the middle of the pack, is 2013 Nick Foles. <laughs> How the hell did that guy have a 119 quarterback rating and threw 27 touchdowns and only two picks that season? No wonder they won the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, they they did, but he couldn't reproduce that anywhere else. <laughs> that guy just got out of bed and said, "All right, I'm gonna have one of the greatest quarterback seasons of all time." It's right there, by the way. Like you go to Pro Football Reference, you run their their comparables, and it's one of the best 15 seasons played by a quarterback in the history of the sport. And you can see easily why they won the Super Bowl that year. This is this is back when RPO was like, you know, oh my God, they're running RPOs, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, two is in that group. Different. And let's, yeah, let's hope that Tua remains in that group because if he does, that, that group uh, won a lot of championships. So hopefully we're in that conversation. All right. That's it for this show. Um, we'll talk to you, I guess, later this week. We don't know what about, but we'll figure it out. But till then. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. 